Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Some of you may know that the monthly theme for April is the passion to lead as we continue our yearly theme of biblical leadership. Our director of Christian education explained last Sunday during the summer Sunday theme commentary that the word passion has to do with a strong emotion and Jeff told us it had to be an emotion from the heart. The word providential means protective spiritual care of God. It basically implies, and I want you really to get this, the acts of God to cause certain events to come to pass in order to bring about his will. Acts of God to cause certain events to come to pass in order to bring about his will. So when we combine providence with passion, we come up with the conclusion that God instills a passion to lead through various events. And unfortunately, these events in our lives are not often pleasant. During the intro of the song of preparation, Stephen McNeil mentioned that a lot of things that happened wasn't always easy. Yet, as the song said, he was satisfied. <laughs> so I want to early on encourage the brothers that regardless of the events that take place in your life, learn to be satisfied with Jesus. David once said, it was good that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. So sometimes events that we would rather not experience come upon our lives. That was the story of Joseph. It's a good example of God's providence instilling within Joseph the passion to lead God's people. Joseph, a young man, was destined to lead from an early age. I want you to get that now. He was chosen by God to be a special vessel to preserve the entire nation of Israel. And God gifted Joseph with the ability to see in the future through dreams, as well as the gift to interpret certain dreams. But here's the point. Joseph was unaware of what God was doing in his life. Now say that again. Joseph was unaware of what God was doing in his life. You see, are you listening to me, brothers? 
The gift from God caused trouble with man. So, so that tells you that sometimes when God has placed something special in you, men ain't going to like it. Envy from Joseph's brothers and rebuke from his parents resulted from what God was doing in Joseph's life. Now that may be hard to swallow as we kind of look at men ministry and look at family relationships that, that something that God has placed in you these other people are rejected. And what you're trying to do, you're trying to stuff out what God has placed in you to please man. The contention between Joseph and his brothers caused Joseph to be thrown into a pit, a deep, dark, cold, damp pit, with design to kill him, but one of the brothers talked him out and said, let's just sell him to the Egyptians, so he was sold into slavery. And with that, I want you to come with me to Genesis chapter 39. I'm going to start at verse 2 as we cruise through several passages of scriptures that's going to bring about the point that God wants us to take home today. Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. It starts out with a profound statement. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, wait a minute. See, we often think that when God with us, everything is all right. Everything is okay. The job and situation is fine. We're making a six-figure salary. The wife is okay. The husband is okay. The kids are acting nice. But it says God was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. What happened is Joseph was sold into slavery. Even though he was successful, he's still a slave. But, 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 but listen to me now. His success was short-lived. And again, here's something, a gift from God. Joseph was a good-looking young man. This caused him problems. In his master's house, he, he was revered. He did everything right. His master even recognized that God was in his life. But his master's wife wanted to make Joseph his mistress. Or her mistress, rather. And when Joseph, desiring to live wholly for the Lord, rejected her many ongoing sexual advances, she got enraged and accused him when he was getting away, leaving his coat of rape. Husband came home, she told him. Now look at this. Remember what we said, the verse, the verse said, and God was with Joseph? Okay. But Joseph went from the pit to prison. 
Yet we still see God's providential care involved. Look with me at verse 21 of chapter 39. It starts off the same way, verse 2. But the Lord was with Joseph. Okay, all right. I'm in a pit, God with me there. I'm in prison, God's with me there. We don't think God is in these situations. This can't be God. Look at it again. But God was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. He's still a slave. He's still a prisoner. I, I call this the pit and prison. Pit and prison miseries. And brothers, we all have them. But the pit and the prison misery, misery can be traced directly to his brothers. I say that because we got brothers in the church. That's some of y'all, they don't dump you in a pit. Not literally, but in their mind and cause you to be put in confinement or prison. Y'all keep that in mind. The sad part about this is Joseph was a young man. He was 17 years old when he was put in the pit. And after a success, he's now 21 years old and he's in prison. Can you imagine with me what's going on in his mind? As he in prison, even though God is showing favor, he got some mercy going on. I imagine in my mind saying, them no good, uncaring brothers of mine. If it hadn't been for them, I'd still be back in Canaan with daddy. I can imagine that every time he was in that pit, he heard a little something that may have sounded like a rattlesnake. He wanted to curse his brothers. And for every hour that he was in the prison, he thought about them no good, unloving. Remember, he's a young man, brothers of mine. But the providential care of God was still at work in Joseph's life. And the very gifts God had placed in him that caused him to be where he were was the same thing that caused him to be delivered. I'm going to skip around because it's too much to go from chapter 39 to chapter 50. I know y'all don't want to be here all day. I ain't taking that much time. But. <laughs> to make it short, Pharaoh had a dream. And none of his high-paid, high-falutin advisors and wise men could interpret the dream. It was discovered that Joseph, while in prison, had the gift of interpreting dreams. So Pharaoh summoned Joseph to come before him. And after Joseph cleaned himself up, God used him to interpret the dream of Pharaoh. Look with me in chapter 41 now, verses 38 and 40. 
This is after the dream had been interpreted and Joseph had given the king some advice. And his advice was to place somebody in charge. And Pharaoh said to his servant, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there's no one as discerning and wise as you. Verse 40, you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. God's providence is still the passion to lead in Joseph. How? By taking him from the pit to the prison to the palace. It was a development process. And, and brothers, I, I, I know one of the problems is the fact that we want the palace mentality. But, but, but we, we, we don't want to go through the pit. We, we, we don't want the prison experience. We just want to go to the palace. I remember one time that we had a new members class Deacon Taylor was the chairman at that time, and I would have the chairman come in with us during the new members class. And this new member came in, and he looked Harris straight in the eye and said, I want your job. <laughs> he didn't realize that Harry already done gone through the pit, going through the prison. All he saw was the palace side of it. And sometimes, guys, I think when you look around, you think this individual has got it made. You don't realize he had to go through something to get where he is. We can't even get enough men to come to men fellowship when we serve in food. If you won't come to eat, you ain't going to come to work. I'm leaving alone. We'll move on. The dream of Pharaoh that Joseph interpreted revealed that that was going to be seven years of prosperity, followed by seven years of severe famine, famine throughout Egypt. But it was this famine that resulted in a reconnection and an encounter with Joseph's brothers. Chapter 42, verses 1 through 3. When Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his son, why do you look at one another? And he said, indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to the place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. Jacob believes that Joseph is dead. The ten brothers made sure that when they did not kill Joseph, that they were going to tell the daddy that an animal killed him. So in Joseph's mind, excuse me, in Jacob's mind, Joseph is dead. 
But them brothers, they know something. So they're around now talking among themselves what we're going to do. And they're up there and say, you're going to go to Egypt and buy bread. The years of prosperity had passed. And after two years of famine, it was affecting the whole region, including Canaan. Only Egypt had food. And that was due to the foresight of Joseph. So Jacob, Joseph's father, when he heard about it, he told his son, go buy food. And they went. Skip down now to verse 6. And we find these words. Now Joseph was a governor over the land. It was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before their faces to the earth. Don't stop right there. This was one of the reasons they threw him in the pit. Early he had a dream that implied they were going to bow down to him. And the brothers, because they were older, got so upset they threw him in the pit. But it came to pass just as God said. Verse 7, Joseph saw his brother and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, we come from the land of Canaan to buy food. Joseph was now 30 years old. The last time his brothers had seen him, he was a teenager. At 17. Joseph is now arrayed in Egyptian attire with the big old headset, and they did not have hair on their face. In addition to that, the Egyptian men wore makeup probably more than the women. They did not recognize him in no way or form, and he didn't speak to them other than through the Egyptian language. He spoke through an interpreter. So they didn't know who he was. But Joseph immediately recognized his brother. Can we stop there for a minute? Keep in mind what these brothers had done. And let's say you had all power in your hand. What would you do? Remembering the nights that you spent in the pit. Remember the years that you spent in prison. And, and here are the people standing right before you that caused your pit and prison ministry. Misery. I got you now. Right where I want you. Call the guard. Off with their heads. Good thing most of us ain't Joseph. Because that's where it'd be. After several exchanges and events, and you have to read it for yourself, which were designed to bring these brothers to confession and repentance, Joseph revealed himself. Now, I want you to switch from 
Joseph's point of view to the brother's point of view. Here you are. You don't mess up, and you knew you don't mess up a long time ago. Don't cause your brothers, and you don't even know where you probably think you're dead too. Don't lie to your father. And now you're standing in front of the second highest power in the known world. And he's accusing you of being a spy. You're shaking in your boots. All the activity that took place, the going back and finding your money that you were supposed to pay for the food, still with you. You're afraid to go back because, because the, 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 the individual who was on the throne said, you're a spy. If you're not a spy, I want to see your brother that you told me you had. Jacob don't want the brother, the younger brother Benjamin to go. He already done lost one by his favorite wife. He ain't going to lose two, but he has to. And now they stand before Joseph. They hear these words in verse 3. Then Joseph said to his brother, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brother, let me again, please come near me. So they came there and said, I am Joseph, your brothers, whom you sold into Egypt. And I'm going to get you back. No, that's what he said. <laughs> but that's probably what I would have said. Probably what you would have said. He would have said something like, bow down. Joseph's brothers were stunned. They had been hearing this voice through an interpreter only, but now this voice speaks in perfect Hebrew. I am Joseph, your brother. They feared for their lives, remembering what they had done. But their brother Joseph recognized something. Decided to calm their fears. And verse 5 of chapter 45 says this. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Wait a minute. God, you didn't throw me in that pit. You didn't put me in that prison. But Joseph said, God sent me. Can I skip ahead to application right now? You're blaming somebody else for where you are. But is it possible that's the hand of God that's putting you right where you are right now? That's God's providence. That's his care. That's his causing certain event to get you where you are. Truth of the matter is that some of y'all wouldn't be saved today if you didn't go to a pit or prison.
You see, they had been accusing one another, and they recognized that what was going on was happening because of what they did to Joseph. And they had this big exchange right in front of, didn't I tell you not to do this? And Joseph was understanding every word they said, but they didn't know it. So you can imagine again, when they found out that he could hear him. He said, don't be grieved or angry with yourself. Joseph explained that God's providence and sovereignty had brought him to Egypt to deliver them from the famine. And then Joseph sent back, go get my daddy. Go get the rest of your brothers and sisters, your wives, your cows, and bring them to Egypt. I got a special place you call Goshen. It's the best of the land. The Egyptians don't deal with cows. You got them. It's a special place. Come on back. And even Pharaoh said, I, I'm going to take the cow that I have and let you take care of. They went from the famine to richness. Sound like a good story, don't it? But that ain't the end of it. That ain't the end of it because I think it was about 17 years later, Jacob, their father, dies. Chapter 50, verse 15, writes this. And when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. And if he had, he would have been justified. He had every right to do it. But he had shown him kindness. Amen. Jeff, he had shown him kindness. For some reason, the brothers believed that the only reason that Joseph didn't repay them earlier was because Jacob was alive. The brothers were still full of guilt. They had never made an open and honest confession to Joseph. So they were afraid of what might happen. So they sent a message to Joseph. They said that their father had told them to do it. I doubt that. The message says something like this in verse 15, chapter 50. Thus you should say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sins, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of your servant of God, our father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. The claim of Jacob was used to pacify Joseph. Please forgive your brothers, it said. Joseph was deeply hurt that his brother didn't trust him. Didn't believe his intention. But in the midst of reading this so-called letter from Jacob, The brothers come running down 
and bowing before him, begging for mercy. They had mistrusted his motives so many years, and he provided so much for them. They didn't understand his love nor his devotion to God. And this broke Joseph Paul. They had finally made their confession and asked for forgiveness. And they were willing to suffer the consequence. Look, brother, you have every right to make us your slave. In fact, you have every right to kill us. We just gonna ask you just to make us your slave. It was at this point that Joseph said what is quoted quite often in the Bible, a famous quote. And Joseph said to them, it's Genesis 50, 19, and 20, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about, as if this day, to save many people alive. Here's the bottom line. Brothers, Joseph experienced with heart. But they told him about God's love and grace. It's a glimpse, a future glimpse, of Christ's love for us. But it also gave him a passion to lead. What's my point? Some of you have been grossly wronged. And revenge is easy. But biblical leadership is not. And Joseph's experience teaches us several things about passion to lead. First of all, leaders should not seek revenge when they have been wrong. Why? Vengeance belongs unto the Lord. It's not yours. Number two, leaders should never try to repay or get even. To do so doesn't leave room for God to deal with the situation. See, he's going to deal with it justly through love. We don't sometimes. Number three, Leaders should trust God that he can turn what others intend for your harm and destruction into a blessing that's far greater. And finally, leaders need to learn that many of the afflictions of life that we experience from man was either motivated or caused by God for a greater purpose. This world is not 
your home. Whether you say it or not, this world is not your home. You're just passing through. When we cling to this world so much, the things of this world will get us down. If God is who he says he is, and he is, all-powerful, all-knowing, he know your situation, he know your plight. So why do you get so upset to the point of suicide about what's going on in life today? I got a couple of things I want to take home today, call them take-home applications. Joseph not only forgave his brothers, he cared and provided for his brothers and their family. Now get that. He couldn't say, okay, I forgive you, go on back to Canaan. Starve. Not only did he give them something, he gave them the best. Yes, these are the same brothers who threw him in the pit, sold him into slavery. He cared for them. Joseph's forgiveness was complete. He demonstrated how God graciously accepts us even when we mess up. And we don't deserve it. And Jeff pointed out Wednesday night, all of us mess up. And none of us deserve it. And realizing that God is willing to forgive us. Even when we ignore him, even when we reject him, shall motivate us to forgive others. And instill in us a passion to lead others to Christ. I want you to think about this. Some people dislike people so much or even hate them so much, they want them to go to hell. How many of y'all don't say it like I say, oh, go to hell? <laughs> or even when you use the word damn, if you say something like damn you, you are telling them people, I want you to be condemned to hell. Damnation, that's what you're saying. But you've got to look at yourself. You see, in the eyes of God, you're like Joseph Brothers. You've done wrong, and you cannot undo your wrong. And that same mercy that was applied to your life, you can apply to someone else. Think with me for a moment. Who in your life has wronged you, has hurt you? I mean, hurt you terribly. You find it hard to forgive. But we think too highly of ourselves. 
when we don't realize how we wrong the Savior. So as you stand with me, it's a time of reflection. See, the brothers had to get to a point of confession. We did wrong. We all need to get to a point of confession. I've done wrong. You see, there's nothing any of us can do to work our way into the kingdom. It's impossible. We need to lean upon the grace of God. So if there's anyone here today that don't know Jesus, we offer Christ to you. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.